Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Hello, and welcome to the Halloween special of This Is Gonna Sound Weird, a podcast. I am your host, Sydney. And I am your other host, Taylor. Insert spooky music here. editing this week we'll see if i can figure out how to actually put in spooky music if not we'll just have to use that uh, little thing cindy just did <laughs> yeah that's called a sound bite um last year i edited this episode and i did add some spooky music so we'll see if taylor can rise to the occasion if not she's fired and we will be accepting applications for a new podcast host of this podcast where we talk about all things true crime paranormal and everything in between yes so please apply um we have instagram twitter tiktok we also have an email just look in our link tree and mm-hmm. you can probably find it uh if you if you're looking to replace old girl taylor but you know what she might rise she might rise to the challenge i have faith in her but you always gotta have a backup remember that remember that yeah and you know what you could you could also send your application in in the form of a five-star review um, you could be like, you know, I already love this podcast with all of my heart, but you know what would make it even better? If I was the co-host. And I won't take offense to that as long as you leave five stars, because let's be honest, you're not taking my spot. You have to fight me for it. Oh. <laughs> all right. She's ready to fight for it. That's what I'm talking about. Where's the passion, people? Where is it? It's right here. Um, like I said, this week's theme is our Halloween special, so I don't know what Taylor's going to be talking about. She don't know what I'm going to be talking about. Mm-mm. All you need to know, it's going to be spooky as hell in this bitch. Yeah. And we carved pumpkins this weekend. Me, Sydney, and some of our <laughs> closest pals. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately. We talked a lot. We we had a lot of fighting words that night. We did. We talked a lot of shit about who was going to carve the best pumpkin. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is what I've decided. It's got people. When people are judging you on the pumpkins, they're not judging on the quality of the carve. What are they charging you on? They are judging you on the picture selection. And this is why I'll tell you why. Because my my pumpkin was going up against another pumpkin who shall remain nameless. Mm. And people kept picking the other design. But they, you know what they pick in? They're like, oh, I like that design. Well, I can't. So really, if you're trying to compare these pumpkin carving abilities, True. we're going to have to all carve the same picture and then look at the quality of the carve. Because I think my my carving ability was of a higher standard than you know, the other pumpkin that shall remain nameless. You know what? But okay, you know again, what we should do. Pe- people people like the picture better. Next year, you know, me and Brandon like to get fancy, but nobody else really likes to get fancy with us. So this is this what we'll do. We will get a group together. We'll get the group together. We'll all carve a, you know, like a medium level pumpkin carving. And then we will see mm-hmm. who has the best, you know, skills. And then me and Brandon can carve our fancy pumpkins on our own. Uh, just because we like to do that. But next year, we'll do that. I still have three pumpkins left, so me and Brandon could still do it this year. You know, we might. You know, maybe on Halloween when we're not doing anything, we'll carve the same photo, and then we'll put it to the test. A good option. A good option. Um, 
But yeah, that's just what I feel like it. <laughs> um, I went to Flying Biscuit, which is a local breakfast place, and I was asking, and we were like, which one do you like better? And and listen, they chose incorrectly. But again, I think it's because of the picture selection. Okay, so I will have to say. I, dig- I digress. I will digress only slightly longer because we'll, we'll have to do this with, so, you know, on our Instagram, I put mine at Brandon's pumpkins up, right? My pumpkin won. I forgot to share the results, but mine won. And on my own Instagram, my pumpkin also won. But when I sent the pumpkins to family members and friends via text message, they all said Brandon's won. So we should put yours up with the pumpkin that shall not be named on the interwebs. And then we'll see whose wins there. Um, Now, if yours lose, which I'm going to be honest, I like yours better. Uh, They're glowing on my porch right now. So, you know, we'll do that. And do it and see. Maybe the internet just knows what's up. Listen, the internet it, it could fail me, it could it could not fail me. Uh I'm I'm not gonna say I'm not willing to try, but I've been hurt before. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. They were all covered in flies when I went out there, or gnats, because it got kinda hot. So uh yeah. That is North Carolina fall for you. Um, this morning, it was, like, real chilly this morning. Like, I wore a sweater, and then this afternoon, I was like, I could wear some shorts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is not a, unfortunately, a podcast about pumpkin carving competitions, although we could talk about it in depth for mm-hmm. hours. Um, this week, we're we're talking Halloween. We're talking spooky, ghost, All Hallows' Eve, however you want to interpret that. October 31st, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now, last year we did strictly a Urban Legends episode. And I'd really invite y'all to go back, take a look at it, give it a listen. But this week, I don't know what Taylor's doing. She told me, but I didn't Google it, so I don't know what she's talking about. Um, <laughs> and this week I have just, I have selected three Urban Legends because I like Urban Legends. If y'all don't like it, that's your prerogative, you know? <laughs> Um, that, you know, I hate it for you. I like them. Uh, I feel like they're very interesting. They always have a little bit to do with history. You know, me and Taylor love to talk about history. Mm-hmm. So I am going to be discussing a few urban legends that I found interesting. And, you know, these sources that I'm about to list are for no particular story. They're for all of the ones that I want to tell you. So I used Insider.com, Wikipedia, OnlyInYourState.com, NCpedia, and WeDauntonDoIt.com. Wow, lots of sources. Lots of sources, very well researched. So the first <laughs> of the urban legends is the Hell's Gate Bridge. And then maybe just insert some spooky music here. Located in Oxford, Alabama, the Hell's Gate Bridge is believed to host supernatural occurrences. The troubled history of the bridge dates back to the 1950s when a young couple fell to their death after their car ran off the road. Gasp. uh, (laughs) Into the water below. (laughs) I look over and Taylor is just like, isn't that like every urban legend though? If you, if you are in an urban legend and you're driving over a bridge, just know you're going in the water below. You ain't making it across that bridge. Mm-mm. I don't care how short it is. Uh, that also, again, we've talked about this. The movie Suzy Q 
from Disney Channel. If you ain't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't know what I'm talking about. Also, I'm so sorry if there is a lot of background noise. My roommate is watching the new season of You, and mm-hmm. I feel like Penn Badgley is just going to beat down my door and kill me himself. Um, so if you hear that, first of all, I hope that you can't hear any spoilers. I hope that I can't hear any spoilers because I have not finished that. I have not started that season yet. But I did want a little disclaimer. So, today the legend of the bridge states that if you drive onto the bridge at night and turn off your headlights, a member of the young deceased couple will get into your car. And those who have experienced this claim that their backseat car is left wet as if someone had climbed out of the water. And into the back seat. It actually would piss me off because I have leather seats. Yeah, if you got claw seats, that shit stains. Now, even if it's just water, it'll stain. Y- you know it's gonna get muggy. It's gonna get like a muggy t- smell to mm-hmm. it. Now, the Hellsgate Bridge own- earns its name because locals claim that if you stop on the bridge and turn around, the road behind you and the water below look like the fiery gates of hell. Now, with the bridge being old as hell, no pun intended, or a little bit pun intended, however you want to take it, there were a few safety concerns, so the bridge has since been closed to cars. However, the bridge still welcomes visitors on foot, and I probably wouldn't recommend walking over it because it is quite old, but, you know, if uh, the bridge doesn't collapse, perhaps you will get sucked into hell. (laughs) No thanks, I'd rather not. Oh, you don't? That's not what you want? Mm-mm. Oh. Interesting choice. Now, following with the, the go- you know, the bridge theme, I'll be talking about the Goat Man of Pope Lick, or the Goat Man Bridge. Mm-hmm. Built in 1884, the Alton Bridge, located in Pope Lick, Kentucky, hosts many frightening encounters and ghost stories, most notably the Goat Man. The legend goes that there is a man named Oscar Washburn, and let me also give this a little disclaimer. There's a lot of origins of how the goat man came to be, but this is the one that I found most often, and also the one that I found to be the most interesting. So, take that how you would. So, like I said, the legend goes that there was a man named Oscar Washburn, who was a goat farmer in town. In order to drum up some business for his farm, Oscar decided to post a sign on the bridge that read, This Way to the Goat Man. In retaliation, members of the Ku Klux Klan group drug Oscar out of his home in the middle of the night and hung him off the side of the bridge. However, when they returned to the bridge later, they found that the noose was empty and dangling over the water without Oscar. He was nowhere to be seen. The clan members freaked out and ran back to Oscar's home, burning it to the ground with his family inside. Mm. However, they never found Oscar alive or dead. Today, locals will tell you that if you travel to the bridge at midnight and knock three times or drive over the bridge with your lights off and honk three times, that you will summon the spirit of the goat man. It is said that the goat man has glowing red eyes, a man's body, and a goat's head and hooves. He 
He is covered in rotting flesh and carries a bag of human and goat heads that he has collected. Mm. Some believe that it's Satanists that have opened the portal that allows such a creature to exist in this land. However, I like to believe that it's just Oscar avenging the loss of his life as well as his family. Now, that one, that one's a doozy of a one. And if you ain't ever seen the BuzzFeed Unsolved video, I'd recommend it. I did not watch it, so I did not use it as a source. Um, I have watched it before, so, like, some of that information was in my noggin. I will go on record and say that. Uh, but I did not watch it to prepare for this episode. I'm gonna be honest, you know, I'm not gonna go summon it. I mean... That one seems, you know, it would maybe be kind of easy to avoid. Like, don't go do those things. Don't be knocking. Don't be, what'd you say, flickering lights? Mm, you don't be honking. Okay, yeah, don't honk. Don't do either. Honking's rude. You know, that's probably why he comes out. He's like, hey, quit being so rude. Stop it. Right now. That's true. <laughs> He's, that's true. He's probably like, can you, how about fucking not? Yeah. think about that? Mm-mm. Yeah, I need to watch that video. I don't usually watch BuzzFeed Unsolved, um, but maybe I should. Um, that's a good one. Um, it's, I feel like one that they, it's kind of short and sweet. Sometimes, you know, they be doing too much chitter chatter, which some could say we do too much chitter chatter on this podcast and that's okay. This is time to catch up with friends. Yeah. If you're not here for the combo, then get out and leave a five star review on your way out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> don't let, don't let that five star review hit you on the way out where the good lord <laughs> splits you <laughs> but yeah you won't catch me in kentucky on a bridge knocking Mm-mm. um let's just say let's just put it that way absolutely not you probably won't catch me in kentucky period but if i am in kentucky for whatever reason you will specifically not see me on a bridge knocking Mm-mm, absolutely not. I'm scared of goats. My mom had a billy. My mom's dad had a billy goat whenever she was young, and when she would get off the school bus, she would have to run to uh, the house and hope that the billy goat, you know, didn't come like ram into her. And he'll pee on his beard. Billy goats <laughs> pee on their beard. If you're wondering, disgusting. Why? I don't know. Probably because they're just like gross, and their name's Billy. <laughs> God, Billy. Billy. Can't trust anybody named Billy or William. I would like a fainting goat, though. Totally different. Yes. Yep. Um, I went to the state fair this past week, and uh, they had the goats racing. And the the goat that we were supposed to be cheering on turned around and just started headbutting another one. Oh, so he did no. not win the race. No. He was trying to play dirty. But he ended up losing. He didn't get to cheese doodles at the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the race. If none of you are, if any of you are listening, you're like, what the hell are we talking about? In North Carolina, if you go to the state fair, it's a very big thing. They have pig races. I highly recommend it. It is, you know, it's a cultural experience, but the pigs and the goats and, um, the the geese, they run around this little, this little tiny track and the winners get to cheese doodles and the losers get to crumbs. This is, (laughs) so... And I can confirm, because I did see it. The losers did get to crumbs. The winners did get to cheese doodles. <laughs> Damn. And you know, with the pigs out there, there ain't gonna be no crumbs. They no crumbs left. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, 
my final story, you know, on par, North Carolina, mm-hmm. North Carolina State Fair, you know, mm-hmm. um, my final urban legend of this beautiful Halloween special is the Devil's Tramping Ground. Dun dun. dun, dun, dun. Now, we're going to move, you know, a little closer to home, where we have the Devil's Tramping Ground mo- located in Siler City. <laughs> Siler City in western Chatham County. That's where Aunt B's buried. Um, if anyone's familiar with Andy Griffith, I've been to Aunt B's grave with my dad to pay my respects. I don't watch Andy Griffith, but uh, I still pay my respects. You got to. You got to. A big name coming out of North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So, the Devil's Tramping Ground is a perfect 40-foot in diameter circle located in the middle of the woods. Within the circle, nothing grows, and in appearance, it looks like the ground has been worn, much like someone has been walking around on the ground, pounding in the dirt. Normal vegetation surrounds the circle, but only a wiry grass grows inside of it. Legend has it that the devil himself comes to the area nightly and paces within the circle as he contemplates the evil deeds causing the circle in the ground to appear scorched. Through the years, legends of the Devil's Tramping Ground have grown in popularity, leading to many people choosing to camp out near or inside the circle to experience happenings themselves. Those who have gone report items that they leave inside the circle being thrown out at some point during the night. So maybe they put a flashlight in there, and the next day the flashlight is not in the circle. Who the hell did that? gotta be the devil Mm -hmm. they also report that dogs refuse to go near the circle and will even yap and howl when close to it not a good not a good sign which one time my dog sat for taylor and her (laughs) dog just kept staring at like down the hall and i was like convinced there was a ghost i was like i'm gonna have to go like if a killer comes in here i'm more prepared for that but if there's already a ghost here like they can have the whole house you know, we should take Tex and, te- you know, go on a little hike out in the woods and see if Tex will go into the devil's tramping ground. But he may be a hellhound, mm-hmm. um, so he may feel right at home. We're not sure. He may feel right at home, but he also has anxiety. Mm-hmm. So Don't we all? It could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> Are we all not medicated? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So, scientists and historians have attempted to make sense of the devil's tramping ground. Some believe that the spot was an ancient meeting place for local Native American tribes who made the circle bare with their ceremonial dances. So essentially they're like, they would have these dances and that that over years caused the ground to be that way. Now, I don't know about that. I'm just telling you what the article told me. That sound, that just, I feel like everything in North Carolina that's slightly weird or spooky, everybody's like, oh, it's got to be the Native Americans. It's like, does it though? I don't mm-hmm. think. I don't think it follows. But not surprised by, you know, that as a possible explanation people think about. Mm-hmm. Um, while others believe that perhaps the Devil's Tramping Ground was actually the location um, named Croatoan and was actually the battle site referenced in the Lost Colony legend. It is believed that the tribal gods preserved the barren circle as a memorial to their followers' loyalty. But, this could also be bullshit. Um, 
because like Taylor mentioned, literally in North Carolina, if anything's going on, they're like, mm, Native American, probably. Um, but if you want to know anything about the Lost Colony, you need to go back to our disappearance episode. I believe it's episode 20. Taylor does her story that week on the Lost Colony and she goes over all sorts of theories and everything. I do. Um, I do. But did you know about that? Did you think, do you think Mm-mm. that the Devil's Training Ground affiliated? I did not. That did not come up in my research of the Lost Colony. Um, but you know, it's interesting. But no, the Devil's Tramping Ground did not come up. Yeah. Uh, scientists also equate the high levels of salt in the earth as to why nothing can grow um, in that circle and the, the fact that the ground can't host life. Mm-hmm. However, I like to believe that it is the devil because <laughs> yeah. that's, a little more, that's a little more spooky. We're in the Bible Belt. You know, everything's got to be the devil. Also... Um, my boyfriend has camped out at the devil's tramping ground, and, um, while he says nothing happened, I, I beg to differ, because, first of all, he did not camp directly into Circle. He said they Mm. arrived, Mm. and somebody else was already camping there, so they had to camp a little bit further down. So, son, you didn't camp at the devil's tramping ground. You camped in the woods. Second of all, even if he says nothing happened... The man loses his wallet and his phone weekly. <laughs> so, obvious, obviously, he got a bit of bad luck. Now, could it be from the Devil's Tramping Ground? I could not say. But, something, something's got him. He lost his phone last week. He almost lost his wallet at the gas station this morning. Um, I told him he's lost his gas station privileges. Every time he goes to the gas station, he loses <laughs> something. And I'm like, you're a, man, you're a man. All you have is your, you, all you got is your phone, your keys, and your wallet. Those are the three things. And you're out here losing all of them. Yeah. You know, he should take us, since he knows where it is, he needs to take us and we can do a recreation. Because, yeah, I don't know how to find it. A recreation it, but I would of what? Like to, <laughs> I, well, I guess not a recreation. Uh, we'll do a recreation of that night. We will, we'll go, I'll go visit, you know. And then we'll leave him and Brandon out there to spend spend a night in the circle. Me, you, and Tex will come mm-hmm. back home, uh, and then we'll see Obviously. how, the, how we'll, they we'll, do. Me and you will get a nice Airbnb. Mm-hmm. We'll leave their asses in the circle, and we'll come back for them later. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good idea to me. Yep. And uh, if you want to support this, please rate, review, and subscribe, um, or Venmo <clears throat> us. Not really. I'm not. I'm not serious about the Venmo. I'm not giving out my handle. We know I have private Venmo on purpose. We've already talked. We've talked about this in past episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those are um, those are my three urban legends that I've decided to bless you with this spooky Halloween season. Thank you. Very spooky. I'm most interested in the Devil's Tramping Ground because it's the closest. And while you were talking, you know, I looked it up because mm-hmm. I forgot what it looked like. But then I realized that I guess in the surrounding areas, maybe, I don't know if it's in the surrounding areas, but there's a road called in Bear Creek, North Carolina called Devil's Tramping Ground Road. I'm just going to say, I wouldn't want my house to have that road name. Like, it sounds fake, but it's not because I looked at a house on Zillow. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to live there. That sounds a bit spooky. Mm-mm. Also, could you imagine like applying to a job and they'd be like, where do you live? <laughs> Devil's Tramping Ground Road. 
<laughs> you're applying for a job at a church. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they might think you got like a haint attached to you or something. Mm-mm. Not me. Did I talk about what a haint was on this? I think I did a while ago. Which, if you don't know what a haint is, it's like a southern way of talking about a ghost. It has history yep. behind it, but uh, I won't bore you with the details. Okay. But speaking of details, I have some details on a story that I'm about to tell. And you know what? All right. Please hit me with them. And I am, me and Sydney, I feel like I switched places this time because I'm doing a true crime story. Shocker. Ooh, this is very uncharacteristic. It is. We are. We are changing. We are. And so this story is, um, it's about the O'Brien family. Um, I'm just going to go right into it. So, uh, these are my sources. Wikipedia.com, Murderpedia.com, Ronald Clark O'Brien page, and Insider.com, 10 terrifying murders committed on Halloween night. So, you know, for as long as I can remember, and probably you can remember, and I don't know about how long, you know, this has been going on. But, you know, there's always this worry that on Halloween night, there's some scary person in your neighborhood that's trying to harm the little kids by putting poison in their candy or putting objects such as razor blades, needles, or broken glass in the candy. So, I know when I was little and I would come home, my parents would check my candy. Um, I don't I don't know what that would do. I mean, they can't visibly see poison, but I guess they were looking for a, a rogue razor blade. Uh, but in general, this... It's pretty much just a myth. Like, there's not really any indication that this is a widespread issue. You know, that people are putting razor blades and candy and poison. You know, because candy's usually safe for the kids. I don't know if you've ever found a rogue razor blade in your candy, but uh, I have not. No, I have not. But you know what I have found? Some cheap-ass neighbors giving shit-ass candy. Where the Reese, where the where the Reese cups at? Don't give me that Dollar Tree shit. There's actually so there's this house like near my house, and it is a huge house, and it used to be a funeral home, like a funeral home, half funeral home, half house situation, you know. And so my mom would always take me there because my grandma was like friends with them, and we felt kind of bad because nobody wanted to go trick or treat there, really, because it used to be a funeral home, right? So my mom would take me there so they could see, you know, somebody dressed up in a little costume, and they were old. But you know what the hell they handed out as candy? A pack of peanut butter crackers. Who the hell wants peanut butter crackers? Uh, <laughs> so, uh... Um, I mean, I like I like a good pack of nabs. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but if you said, would you like to have a pack of nabs or a Reese cup? I'm gonna go with a Reese cup every time. Now, in my adult life, I would probably go with crackers. But as a kid, I was like, I don't want no damn crackers. Uh, but anyways, this isn't about crackers. So, obviously, this myth, Halloween myth, it really is just a myth. Except for one night in 1974, this myth became a reality. So, on Halloween night, 1974, Ronald O'Brien, who lived in Deer Park, Texas with his wife, Dineen, and their son, Timothy, and daughter, Elizabeth, the dad took both of the children trick-or-treating in the neighborhood in Pasadena, Texas. And their neighbor, who also had two children, accompanied the O'Briens to go trick-or-treating. So, you know, they were all out trick-or-treating. In one house that they had knocked on the door, the person didn't answer. And so, you know, the kids didn't want to wait. So they decided they were going to run ahead to the next home. But Ronald stayed behind for, like, just a second because he was like, you know, maybe somebody will come to the door because we already... 
you know, rung the doorbell. So if they come out, I'll grab whatever they have. So he ended up catching back up with the kids and the group. And he had gotten some pixie sticks from the guy at the, you know, at the house. And they were big pixie sticks, like 21 mm-hmm. inches. So they were them big boys. Damn. Uh, and, you big know. Spender. Oh, yeah. And he said, you know, he got them from the person that initially didn't answer the door. So after that night, uh, they had a successful trick-or-treating night. Ronald, uh, you know, gave each of the kids one of the big pixie sticks, and they all went home. But there was only four kids trick-or-treating with them, so Ronald's son, Timothy, had like an extra. And uh, on the way home, Timothy saw a little boy from church, and he was like, hey, you know, he's like, hey, you want one of these pixie sticks? And so he gave the little boy a pixie stick, which I thought, you know, that's nice. Giving away your candy. Kids don't usually do that. So Timothy seemed like a little nice kid. Timothy is a stand-up guy. I wouldn't give away my pixie stick. I'd be like, you can get on. Which I had to sit, I had a bunch of brothers, so ain't nobody get my candy. And I was a fatty. I can say that about myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, when the O'Briens got home that night, you know, they were getting ready for bed. Timothy said that he wanted to eat a little bit of his candy, and he uh, chose the pixie stick. So, at first, he had some trouble getting the powder out of the pixie stick, which we know if you get it wet, you're kind of done for. You're going to have to re-rip it yeah, off. Fucking, which, you, you fucking screwed if you get that tab wet. You cannot, do not put your lips to the to the tube. You will be yeah. screwed. Yeah. So his dad, you know, helped him shake the powder loose so he could eat some of the pixie stick. Uh, but when he tried the pixie stick, he thought it tasted a little weird. He said it tasted, you know, a little bitter. So he drank some Kool-Aid to try to get the taste out of his mouth. And then they were just going to go to sleep. But soon after he had eaten some of this pixie stick, Timothy started saying that his stomach was hurting. So he ran to the bathroom and he started throwing up. And then he started to convulse. And so Ronald ran and, you know, picked Timothy up and was trying to comfort him and help him. But while Ronald was holding Timothy, while Timothy was still vomiting, Timothy went limp in Ronald's arms. So at this point, obviously, they rushed, they rushed Timothy to the hospital but he sadly passed away mm-hmm. on the way to the hospital. And he had died less than one hour after he had first eaten this uh, pixie stick candy. The news that Timothy had passed away from potentially poisoned candy spread throughout the community very quickly. Because one of parents' worst fears on Halloween has come true in their neighborhood. And a lot of parents in the community, you know, they took their candy from their kids and they took it to the police station because they thought that they, you know, they didn't know what might be laced with poison. So they wanted the police to test it. And so when the pathologist took the pissy sticks and examined them, he determined that they were in fact poisoned and they had been laced with potassium cyanide. So you may be wondering, you know, what happened to the other kids who had the other pixie sticks? Well, luckily, none of them had consumed any of the pixie sticks, and all the parents had taken them to the police. But this part is crazy. It was such a close call because the fifth child, I think it was the kid that they handed the pixie stick to, like, the last, um, the parents couldn't find the pixie stick. Like, they were running around the house trying to find it because I guess, I think they all learned about it probably, like, that night because it had happened so quickly. And so the parents were so afraid, they ran upstairs to check in their kid's room, and they found him asleep holding the pixie stick. He had apparently tried to open it before he had gone to bed, but he couldn't open it, and so he just fell asleep holding the pixie stick. Like, that is just... Could you imagine? Yeah, that I, um, that's fucking insane. Also, because... My fat ass would have been so determined. I'd have been like, 
Oh, yeah. I'll be damned. Also, if you're going to keep me from this pixie stick. And for me, I probably would have, you know, gone to my parents and been like, please help me open this. And then I would have eaten it. Yeah. Or perhaps not, because let's be honest, pixie sticks, they ain't the best. But, Mm -mm. you know, when you're a kid, you'll eat anything that has sugar in it. This was also the 70s. And, you know, I don't know much about the 70s, but I assume candy has advanced since then. Oh, Oh, absolutely. The (laughs) candy engineering has it has greatly improved we grew up with ring pops and baby bottle pops Mm. people of the 70s they don't know what they missed lord i used to love a baby bottle pop dang i loved a baby bottle pop i forgot about those i haven't seen them in a while baby bottle pop with a it's got kind of that pixie stick powder at the bottom best of both worlds but it was more sour i feel like Mm. Mm -hmm. i'd eat me one of them right now uh, but I don't have one, unfortunately. I could use a ring pop. <laughs> so, when all of the sticks were examined, um, they had noticed that all five of them had been opened, you know, and then the top two inches of the stick was, like, poured out, and it was filled back in with cyanide powder and then resealed with a staple, which is probably likely why the one kid couldn't get it open because he couldn't get the staples out. Which is weird. Like, a pixie stick shouldn't be stapled. But, you know. And according to the pathologist, the Tim- the candy that Timothy ate contained enough... I think it was just the candy that he had actually eaten. Contained enough cyanide to kill two full-grown adults. And the other unopened sticks contained enough cyanide each to kill three or four adults. So, like, this is a lot Damn. of cyanide. Um, I don't even uh, know. Yeah, That's a, like I would a have lot. To agree. I mean, I don't even know where you would procure this, but uh, they've procured a lot. So at this point, mm-hmm. the police questioned Ronald O'Brien, obviously because he was the one that had you know gotten the pixie sticks, and they wanted to know like where did you get the pixie sticks? And at first, he was like, "Oh, I you know I can't remember where I got the sticks from," even though that night he had said that he had gotten them from the home of the people who did answer the door. And so the police were coming a little bit suspicious of Ronald, partially because he acted like, you know, he couldn't remember where the pixie sticks had come from, but mostly because the night that uh, they had taken the kids trick-or-treating, they had actually only gone trick-or-treating on two streets in the neighborhood they were in because it had been raining. So, you know, they just went to a few houses and then they left. And the police obviously went and questioned these houses and they were like, were anybody giving out pixie sticks? They probably even asked, you know, kids... They had gone trick-or-treating, families, and uh, they were like, no, nobody was giving out pixie sticks. So they were like, okay, well, that's weird. And at this point, Ronald was still on their radar. So they asked him, they were like, you know, will you take us to walk around the neighborhood and try to pick out the house that you got this pixie sticks from? So, like, maybe it'll jog your memory. So the police walked around the neighborhood with him three times. And, I mean, this is only two streets. So it ain't like there's much there. And he finally led them to the home um, where he said that he got the pixie sticks where nobody had answered the door. So he claimed that after, you know, the group had walked away to the next house, the owner of the home that didn't answer did come to the door, but they didn't turn on their lights. Apparently, they simply cracked their door open and handed the pixie sticks to Ronald through the crack in the door. He took the five pixie sticks and left. He said he didn't see the face of the person who handed him the pixie sticks. He didn't see them at all. He only saw a man's arm 
that he was described as, quote, hairy. So he just saw a hairy arm come out of the door, hand him some pixie sticks, and then he left. And, you know, that story, it's not, it doesn't really, you know, if that did happen, to me, anyways, you know, if I had knocked on somebody's door, they stuck their hairy arm out and handed me some candy, I'm not giving that candy to my kids. I'm probably going to immediately throw that candy away. Oh, absolutely. Also, because I'm like, why did you have to work so hard to get that candy? There's a whole, there's a whole nother street. Yeah. If he doesn't open the door, just move on. Yeah, just move on. And, you know, there's no lights on. So, even if uh, they were there, if there's no, everybody knows, if there's no lights on, that means you are not available to come trick-or-treat at my house. That is the trick-or-treat etiquette. Now, here's what I'll also say. If you're going to not give out candy, make sure all your lights are off. Don't be that bitch that's got your TV in your living room on and we can clearly see the flashing lights. Go watch TV in the back bedroom. It's just like a respect thing at that point. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the police, they were like, they were going to, they looked into the owners of this home to see if, you know, Ronald's story actually had some weight because, I mean, it's a possibility. So the man that owned this home was named Courtney Melvin and he was an aircraft traffic controller at William P. Hobby Airport. And on Halloween night, he was at work, and he actually didn't even get home until 11 o'clock that night. So he wasn't at home. And he had a solid alibi because about 200 people were able to confirm that he was, in fact, at work that night, all night. Um, And so the police were able to rule him out as a suspect. So at this point, the clear suspect is Ronald. And they discovered some pretty troublesome things about him when they started investigating further. They found out that he was in debt for over $100,000, which in today's money will be about $556,000, a little over that. And he also had a history of not being able to hold down a job. So over the past 10 years leading up to 1974, he had actually had 21 different jobs. And he was actually close to being... Oh my God. Yeah, that's a lot of jobs. Honestly, I hate starting at a new job because it's stressful. I couldn't imagine. I don't know how he was able to... How was he able to get them? So, you know what? It'd always be the people that can't hold a job that's always getting a job. You I feel that. Me? Like, like I'll be a hard worker, and I'll be out here fighting for my life in these job interviews, and I'll have a good resume. They're like, I don't know if this is going to work out. But the people that are like, yeah, I quit my last job after two hours, like, they're like, I'm <laughs> hired. Hired. Maybe they're just, like, better bullshitters, because maybe they, you know, I feel like in an interview, you try to sometimes be a bit reserved, maybe. Not you specifically, but, like, people. So maybe they just, like, go in there, like, guns a-blazing, and maybe employers are like, you know what? Seems a little wacky, but uh, maybe we'll give it a shot, you know? Uh, you know, I don't know. But he, he currently did have a job, but he was close to being fired from his current job on suspicion of theft. His car was also about to be repossessed. He had defaulted on multiple bank loans. And uh, the family's home had gone into foreclosure. So, not not good. But the most disturbing thing of all was when the police found that just a few months before Timothy's death, Ronald had taken out life insurance policies on both of his children. In January 1974, he had taken out $10,000 life insurance policies on both of his children, which in today's money would be about five hundred. No, sorry, fifty-five six hundred forty thousand. So like, you know, it doesn't seem like a whole lot, but for a kid, it does. Because I was actually listening to a podcast the other day, and you know, it was talking about life insurance. And the reason that you you get life insurance 
is really so, you know, if somebody in the home that has a job passes away, the family's not struggling because, you know, basically an income is gone. So you need, you know, help to, you know, pay. But kids, they don't have an yeah. income. So I don't, I don't even think there's a need for children to have life insurance policies. I don't know. Maybe there is in certain situations, but you know what I'm saying. Unless you're trying to kill your child, in which case there's a perfect reason for it. Yeah. And so then, about a month before Timothy's death, Ronald had taken out additional $20,000 life insurance policies on both children. And this time, the insurance agency urged against this, but I guess they couldn't prohibit him from doing this, which it could have changed, you know, now. And so he took out those. Then, just a few days before Timothy's death, he took out another $20,000 life insurance policy on each kid. So, at this point, Google said that he'd taken out around $60,000 altogether. Um, I calculated about 100000 but I'm not good at math. But basically, it's a lot of money that he's taken out on children. And I honestly don't even know... I'm curious if he took these out of different insurance agencies because I don't see how one insurance agency would let you do this because that looks very suspicious. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, day... Yeah, I don't know. But I feel like, wouldn't it be... I mean, it's going to be suspicious anyway. But it's going to also be suspicious if you're going to, like, four different insurance companies. Yeah. Four different policies. But I feel like if nobody... Because I don't think anybody knew he was doing this... And so, you know, at least if you go to four different places and nobody really knows you're doing it, then nobody's going to raise that many eyebrows. Like, I feel like he couldn't have done this all at the same company. Like, that would have seemed too weird. Like, that would have been real suspicious. Especially, like, like, it was like gradually he was taking out more money. But I don't know. But the day after Timothy passed away, Ronald called the insurance companies which I wrote companies, so I assume that means multiples, called them in an attempt to collect the policies that he had taken out on Timothy. The day after your kid dies. Oh my God. The that day. Be the day after. That should not be what you're worried about. I wouldn't be worried about it. I would have been like, screw those life insurance policies. I mean, what's that going to get me? Nothing. So mm-hmm. at this point, it was pretty clear to everybody what was going on. Ronald had gotten his hands on some cyanide and he had laced all of the candies and gave it to the children in the hopes that his son would die and he could get the life insurance policy. But now you're like, but why would he poison the other candy? Well, he thought that if he put poison in multiple candies and multiple children either got them or took them and died, then it would be a good attempt to cover up the crime because then they couldn't say, well, he was Mm -hmm. just trying to kill his kid for life insurance because... You know, all these other kids got poisoned, too. Um, it clearly didn't work work well for him. No. Nope. Uh, but even though it's clear that he, comm- he did this crime, he maintained his innocence through repeated police questioning. But this didn't matter, because on November 5th, 1974, Ronald was arrested. He was charged with one count of capital murder for the murder of Timothy and four counts of attempted murder. He entered a plea of not guilty on all five counts. So, his trial began May 5th, 1975, and during the trial, a man testified who was a chemist that Ronald knew. So, apparently, in the summer of 1973, which was like a full year before this happened, Ronald had contacted the chemist and asked him how much cyanide would be a fatal dose. And he also asked the chemist 
how can how can I get my hands on some cyanide? I don't uh, know if the chemist answered these questions. I doubt he told him where to buy it. Um, but Ronald's friends and co-workers also testified that in the months leading up to Timothy's death, Ronald was showing an unusual interest in cyanide and was talking about how much cyanide it would take to kill a person, which uh, normal mm. people don't talk about that. And at that time, true crime podcasts were not, they did not exist. That's true. They did not. Um, because this was the 70s and true crime was being made with all mm-hmm. the serial killers. <laughs> exactly. There was a serial killer on every corner. And also, uh, Ronald's sister-in-law and brother-in-law testified that on the day of Timothy's funeral, he was talking about using the money from Timothy's insurance policy to take a long vacation and to buy other items that he wanted. Like, how stupid and insensitive and just awful can you be, honestly? And... Ronald's wife even testified against him, stating that on the night of Timothy's death, when Timothy, you know, he was picking out the candy he wanted to eat before bed, that apparently Timothy did not pick out the pixie stick for himself. Ronald basically forced Timothy to choose the pixie stick. And, I mean, it's probably not that hard to force a kid to eat some candy. He probably picked this and his dad probably was like, hey, like, don't you, you'd rather eat this, right? You know, eat this one. So, basically, he was, you know, he was trying to get him to eat it that night. But even after all of this, all the testimony, Ronald still maintained his innocence. But this didn't matter. Because on June 3rd, 1975, a jury deliberated for just 46 minutes and found him guilty of capital murder and the four counts of attempted murder. And then they took an additional 71 minutes to sentence him to death by electrocution. Now, this case had been getting a lot of media attention at this point, and they had started calling... Ronald the Candyman in the press. And so I think this case took on a little Mm. bit of that mythical lore of kids' candy being poisoned. But this clearly isn't what the myth is. It's it's never your parent that's poisoning you. Well, my question is, did this at all, like, inspire the movie Candyman? I'd like to know. Actually... The movie Candyman, which I haven't watched a new one, but I am, he comes out of a mirror, right? Yes. Like, okay, so I'm pretty sure, um, somebody can check me on this, I'm pretty sure that is based on a case where it used to, back in the day, your, uh, like, mirror that opens, like, a medicine cabinet mirror in these, like, apartments in, like, uh, like, government subsidized housing, it would be, mm-hmm. like, you could get from people's apartments, like, into... You could go from the mirror in your apartment and get into the mirror of somebody else's apartment. And basically, people were... Oh, I think somebody had, like, crawled through a mirror from one person's apartment to the other one and, like, murdered somebody. Um, my Favorite Murder did an episode on it, and I can't specifically remember. I'll have to look it up. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure Candyman is based on that. Um, so, scary. But, you know, I feel like it's Candyman... It's scary. There's also uh, Candyman Dean Coral, who's a murderer. And, uh, you know, Candyman's just a name for murderers, apparently. Yep. Pretty uh, much. Yeah. So, 
Ronald's wife maintained that he had no knowledge of anything that he had done. She didn't know he was taking all the life insurance policies or anything. And soon after he was convicted, she filed for divorce and later remarried. And her new husband had adopted uh, the Ronald and uh, his wife's daughter, Elizabeth. So Ronald was sent to the Ellis One unit near Huntsville, Texas. And according to a former chaplain that worked in the prison, he said that uh, Ronald was shunned and despised by his fellow death row inmates for killing his child and was, quote, absolutely friendless. The inmates apparently had petitioned to hold an organized demonstration on the day of Ronald's execution to express their hatred of him. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, you gotta be bad if literal death row people are like, man, you suck like bad, bad. <laughs> man, you just the fucking worst, man. Man, you the worst. Can we please, can we please get some picket fence signs and do this thing? So, yeah. Um, Now, his first execution date was set for August 8th, 1980, which I find crazy because as we know these days if you are sentenced to death you are most more than likely going to die on death row rather than be executed which as we talked about there's pros and cons to it it's obviously obviously we do it now so you can have the most appeals because we obviously don't want to put somebody to death that is innocent which happens not i don't know if it happens frequently but it does happen but uh it does happen he was supposed to be executed, like, not just like a few years after all this happened. Um, but his attorney successfully petitioned for a stay of execution. So his second date was set for May 25th, 1982. But this date, again, was postponed. And then Judge Michael McSpadden scheduled a third execution uh, for October 31st, 1982. This was the eighth anniversary of the crime. And he, the judge said that he would personally drive O'Brien to the death chamber. So he was like, I will do this. Um, But again, this was postponed. So finally, yeah. So on March 31st, 1984, shortly after midnight, Ronald was executed by lethal injection at the Huntsville unit. So he ended up not being executed by uh, the electric chair. I think they had changed it over the time that he was in prison. And actually, on one of his execution dates, I can't remember which one, he was actually potentially going to be the first person who had died in Texas uh, from lethal injection. But uh, the date was pushed back. And so, in his final statement, Ronald said that he was innocent again. He said he felt the death penalty was, quote, wrong. Which, you know, a lot of people do, but um, when it's a guy who killed his kid and he's saying it's wrong, it doesn't hold much weight, I'm going to be honest. Yep. And he he said this, um, quote, I forgive all, and I do mean all, those who have been involved in my death. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. Um, Obviously, I said that in a tone which was just, ugh. Like, a, why can like you a, say that? Like a douche, a douchey it's, tone. It's just like, you, man, you killed your kid. and But you're saying, I just want you all to know that I forgive you for this. And I'm like, man, you killed your oh, kid. So you lost those rights. grateful. Like, you, no Shut one cares. Literally no one cares. You literally killed your kid for 
don't, a couple, you know, thousand dollars or whatever. Um, but apparently during the uh, execution, a crowd of 300 demonstrators gathered outside the prison um, and they were yelling trick or treat as he died. Ooh. And <laughs> others uh, showered anti-death penalty demonstrators because, you know, when, when someone gets executed, there's people on both sides. And apparently they were showering the anti-death penalty demonstrators with candy while he was being executed. <laughs> Honestly, that's just that's too much. (laughs) That's too much. You know what? I love it. It's you know what it reminds me of. It gives me um, like it's very reminiscent of when they found the Night Stalker and everyone in that neighborhood chased him down and beat the shit out of him. Oh, like that's what I think of. That's what I think of. And you know, I'm here for. I'm here for us all coming together. for a common goal of hating a piece of shit. Yeah. And, you know, however you feel on the death penalty, good or bad, this guy is horrible. And he deserved to be in prison for the absolute rest of his life. Um, and, yeah. yes. Like, you made a you made a bad mistake in your life. Don't take it out on your fucking kid. It's just, like, I, I cannot stand it. If you don't want to be a dad, walk away. If you, you know what I mean? I know, and I don't like, understand. Because at, at the end of the day, the money wasn't even going to get him that much. It's your fucking kid. This yeah, kid is and innocent. and also, like, if, yeah, it wasn't going to fix the problem. And I don't know, you know, I'm glad they caught him now because he could have, which he probably would have, went on and killed his other child because he had taken life insurance policies out on both of them. So, mm-hmm. that's horrible. It's so sad. Poor Timothy gave his pixie stick, his second pixie stick to his friend. Um, so, I've heard this story before. And when I heard Halloween special, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do something a little different than what we would think I would do. So, that was the story of, unfortunately, the murder of Timothy O'Brien. Wow. Well, thank you for that story. It was very, It is very Halloween-y. Um, I know every year for Halloween we think about razors in the Halloween candy, but mm-hmm. yeah. Which I think there has actually been stories of razors, not in candy, but I think they were maybe in apples. Um, but you know, if somebody gives me an apple for Halloween, I'm not going to eat it. Also, I'm mostly not going to eat it because it's not in a wrapper and it's probably just been in like the bottom of some old lady's cabinet. Um, I'm probably also like, I do not like the peeling on apples i'm sorry i know that's controversial i would peel it and then when i peel it i would see the razor blade so i'd be like gotcha bitch yeah i usually cut my apples now because i like to dip them in peanut butter so yeah got you bitch oh yeah oh my my god apples and you know get me i'm dipping this shit in peanut butter oh apples and peanut butter are so good oh banging um but what is our theme for next week our theme for next week is the devil made me do it Dun, dun, dun. This one also can go many a ways. I already know what I'm doing. Because we kind of base this theme around a story I wanted to do. Uh, that's that's true. That's facts. And facts. and um, you know what? Just to cause controversy, I'm going to actually do that same story. <gasps> and then we'll just have a competition. Who can do it better? <gasps> we'll just tell the exact <laughs> same story back to back. And then you all have to vote and say who did it better. Who wore it better? Who did it better? 
Yep, just like the pumpkins. We're gonna do the same exact thing, and then we're just gonna have y'all judge us. Uh, but, yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone, this week. Mm-hmm. Hope you have a spooky Halloween. Yes. Um, I hope that you don't have any razor blades in your candy, but I hope that you do have lots of alcohol in your cup. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm going to a place where I'm going to get to see some doggies in Halloween costumes. I got Tex a little Halloween costume. It's going to be fun. Yep. I'm going, on Sunday, I'm going trick-or-treating. Um, not, not with me, with some kids, not just me, with some kids. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be dressed up like a Dalmatian. So look for that on Instagram. Oh, yeah. I'm going to Stevie Nicks on Saturday. So maybe I'll do a little post. We'll see. I may end up cutting my hair more for it. Um, She's my, going crazy. My, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But thank you for listening, everyone. Um, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Five stars, preferably. <laughs> tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, but, yep, I think that's it for us. Um, the internet has returned. So, in that case, I'm all I'm going to say is stay weird. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Happy Halloween. Goodbye. Thank you.